ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Ladies and gentlemen, I know it's been a while, but welcome to another edition of Harden to Paint with me, David Grubb. Um, it's that time of year. The NBA season has gotten to um, that the second half. We're in the second half. The trade deadline is just a couple of really just weeks away. Um, and the NBA season is as up in the air as it was when we started back in October. So to join me to kind of sort out where the Pelicans, New Orleans Pelicans sit in all of this and what may be on the horizon in the short term for the team are two of my very good friends and colleagues and uh, guys I wouldn't, you know, I, I, there's nobody I'd rather have this conversation with. Um, joining me, Ali Cosell, the editor-in-chief over at The Bird Rights, and Chris Connor, host of In Space, and just does so many other things over with uh, Boot Crew Media as well. So guys, it's been a long time since we had one of these conversations for the public, but you know we've talked about this team all year, all uh, the time, both on and offline. And um, this is a very weird time for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, eight and 13 in their last 21 games. They have not looked, even with the injuries, they have not looked like the same team that we saw um, up until uh, December the 12th when they beat the Phoenix Suns in overtime at the Smoothie King Center, December 11th um, when that game was. And it's just been a different team since then. Injuries, certainly. We know Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram out. Herb Jones missed a significant portion of that time. Other guys have been in and out. But over just this 21-game stretch, which is a quarter of the season, eight and 13, what have been the things that have been most concerning um, for the New Orleans Pelicans right now? Chris, I'm going to let you go first. As always, brother, appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, man, I mean, to, to answer the question, I, I think the, the, well, not the injuries, but the, the load, the, the, um, the pile that's kind of, been put on the shoulders of C.J. McCollum and, you know, Jonas Valanciunas right now. Uh, I think this early in the year, you would have hoped to not have to run those guys this amount of mileage. And I think the, the list goes on and on. I mean, Larry Nance is another one. And, I mean, hey, you know, you know this, this stretch is a reminder, I think, to um, a lot of fans that, just because you win with scraps, it doesn't mean that 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 is something that you can sustain for long periods. There's a reason that stars are stars, and you may be able to get by against mediocre teams and, and and bad teams. You may be able to get by and win a couple games against some quality opponents that, that you weren't expecting. And it's great that guys have been playing above their roles, and you've gotten so many contributions from different places throughout the year, but. In that process, in that situation, in winning those games, now you're at a spot to where CJ McCollum looks tired, and not only with that, he's frustrated. Jonas Valanciunas, while he's played every single game, eventually those miles wear on him. Larry Nance, desp- he hasn't looked the same, and I'd say a few weeks now. And I think the list goes, Najee gets banged up. You you know, you miss a few games with her, you have to welcome him back. Eventually, those miles add up, and it points to 
what you have to do at the trade deadline, whether you make moderate or, you know, larger improvements to the roster, or just once again hoping that Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson can be healthy, not just individually, but together next to C.J. McCullough. Holly, we knew January was going to be probably the toughest month on the Pelican schedule, whether they were healthy or not. I mean, we just looked at the amount of road games, who, the, who they've had to play this month. Um, it was not going to be easy. I wasn't as bo- I'm not as bothered by losing per se as I am in the way that the Pelicans have been playing. Um, the increased mental mistakes, the lack of discipline, the um, lack of growth in some players. And as Chris talked about, frustration is starting to leak into what had previously been the happiest place on earth, it seemed, with this franchise. So January has not been like any of the other months we've seen with this franchise. No, it's not. It's what turned into first a small bump in the road when Zion went out with his you know, hamstring injury has turned in a lot more because they've lost nine of their last 12. And that's coincided with I'm glad Chris brought it up. Guys are looking tired. Jonas Valanciunas suddenly isn't getting you an easy 25 and 10 in the absence of B.I. and Zion. Same thing with uh, C.J. McCollum. He's not, you know, 28 and, say, eight assists in the game. But more than that, they're also now missing Najee Marshall. And if you think about the playmaking right on this team, suddenly when you see the 25 turnovers, people overlook the fact that Najee wasn't out there. Instead, now you got Jackson Hayes trying to make a cross-court pass. Others that aren't comfortable. Dyson Daniels is still learning on a job. Even though he's been great, you have to, you, you, we have to mention that. And Trey Murphy's not comfortable yet. So you've got that. And also these guys, they've been pushing themselves in bigger roles as well. So when you combine everything, it's not that big of a surprise. And I'm actually a little surprised. It's only been one, you know, crazy blowout so far, right? It was that bad Miami Heat game here in New Orleans. So other than that, they've been in every game. But they faltered when in the fourth quarters, right? That's when you're going to hit walls. I mean, look at yesterday's game, for instance. They start off like gangbusters. That defense, Devontae Graham's got like six, seven deflections in the first half. You just don't see in the second half. Teams can't maintain that for 48 minutes, right? Let alone guys that are playing big minutes. And that's just the problem. And suddenly you're playing the toughest part of the schedule, like you said, right? It's tough competition through and through. I mean, they've beaten most of the guys, most of the teams, excuse me, under 500. They've done a great job of that. But now, like you said, it's a comedy schedule, guys missing um, and, and just hitting walls and slumping, too. we got to mention that when you look at, like, shooting numbers, right, catch and shoot numbers are down, uh, pull-ups, everything across the board. So that's that's why they're nine and what was it? Three and nine, last 12. Chris, you know, one of the things that, that people are focused on is, is, is the common the rotations that Willie Green has been using in the absence of Zion Williamson, in the absence of Brandon Ingram, and now with Najee Marshall. Um, certainly we saw, take it to yesterday's game against Miami. I mean, uh, Sunday's game against Miami. And Trey Murphy, 14 points in the first half. Second half, three. You know, it's it, it, Jose Alvarado, since the 38-point game, he's had maybe, what, I think three double-digit games since then. And he shot the ball terribly most nights. The assist numbers for him are down. The, you know, we're just seeing guys who you had come to count on to provide you a certain level of production, not only in the fatigue, but it just looks like, like for me, for Jose, I'm going to just use Jose as the example. He's trying to do more than he is capable of doing. We talked about Jose having 
a really high floor, but also having a low ceiling. What you were going to get from Jose, that 38 was the anomaly. That was the career night. You're not going to get a bunch of those out of him. The typical night is going to be eight points for three, four assists, but maybe five, you know, a couple of steals here and there. That's what you should be expecting out of Jose. But we're not getting a lot of those nights. We're getting one assist from Jose. We're getting more turnovers from Jose. We're getting 0 for 4 three-point nights. We're getting 0 for 6 three-point nights where he's just taking, you know, and I think that that has gotten into some Some guys are taking too many shots. And then you see a guy like a Trey Murphy who I think still has not ever figured out the balance of when he should take over in these situations when he should demand the basketball in these situations and relieve. Like I said, when, when it's just C.J. McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas, he has to be the third guy. There's no choice but for him to be the third guy. And it's just right now, there feels like there's more of guys not necessarily understanding what they're being asked to do. You have the, mis- you have the, the miscommunication, whatever's going on with, with Billy Hernan Gomez and his role with the team. I think Jonas is frustrated in the fact that he's – He's physically having to hold down so much. And, and you can see, like I said, for CJ, this was not the role he anticipated. He was ready to settle in as the third guy. And he's had to be the first and second guy more than 40 nights this season. And that's just, I think it's, you know, as, as we talked about where the Pelicans could end up, this is why you, in, where I say it's so hard to get to that 50 games and jump from where they were at 36 last year to get to 50. It's not easy, and the Pelicans are finding that out. And I think this is that reality shock is, is shaking some of the guys on the roster today. Yeah, you know, and you have so many. And to your early point, Grub, you have a lot of guys that are that are overcompensating. You know, guys pressing at this point, and, and you know, when you start to lose, you know, to go with that, that's what happens. You got this Miami game, but you look at the Orlando game. You know, it wasn't. Um, they didn't, I don't think they got up to as much as I think it was like 16 or 17 in, in the Miami game, but they had control of that Orlando game early. And then, you know, similar to what, as, as Ali mentioned, they ran out of gas. And that happens a lot of times with, you see a lot of the youth being, being um, focused on here. And look, when you are missing, not just your two best players, but you're missing an additional creator, three creators all off the floor. Now you're asking, or even if you're not asking, Jose Mayfield is his responsibility to create more when he only, when he, when at this point in his career, or maybe for, for his future in the NBA, has limited um, capability in that area. You know, uh, Herb Jones is still working himself back, but he has his limitations. The list goes on and on. Dyson is still figuring it out. We've, you know, we know the book on Jackson Hayes. We know, you know, Devontae Graham. A lot of these guys are comfortable in their roles. So therefore, you only have two, two individuals that are able to stretch their games outside of what you may know them for. And really, that's C.J. McCollum and some, depending on the night in the matchup, is Jonas Valanciunas. You know, Najee has been pretty much the only consistent one in this stretch without Zion and B.I. that you've been able to ask of more. He's been able to outplay by just doing a little bit of everything, no matter the occasion. His mentality doesn't doesn't switch. Everybody's not wired. Now he's a little crazy. They call him a knife for a reason. You have to be crazy. Shout out to Ali. You have to be you you have to be a little crazy for someone to call you a knife. You'd be like, yeah, that's who I am. Like, that's just, you know, but that's what's interesting. And that points again to where some of in the offseason when this roster was talked about, even if everything fit together, 
with the injury concerns that you had, you'd be eventually looking again and saying, okay, I see where this roster needs help at. Even if you got 10 or 15 more games from Zion and B.I. Um, this is why we talked about if you got a chance to add Bogdanovich before Detroit did in the, in the offseason or adding a third big, especially now, since so it's clear you're not going to play Billy Hernan Gomez. But even if you got 10, 15, 20 more games out of Brandon and, and Zion, there was still deficiencies on this roster that you needed to add to. And now as you go towards the trade deadline, you clearly see, okay, you can add, even if it's one player and in, in the perfect world, two additional bodies that are able to do just a little bit more outside of their initial strong suits, depending on the night and what's available to you. So Ali, let's deal with that then. We'll, we'll, we'll give it in strategy parts first, but the more urgent thing right now, based on, you know, coming off of Chris's point is the roster. At this stage, the Pelicans essentially have four guys that they're not using. Billy Hernan Gomez is, 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 has, for whatever reason, found himself completely out of the rotation. And when he does get in, it's garbage time. We know Garrett Temple isn't going get, to get, get play. We know on a nightly basis, for some reason now, even though he's back on the roster, Kyra Lewis Jr. isn't getting minutes. Even, even in situations where you think you might just try him out, Kyra Lewis still isn't getting minutes. So that's a concern for me as whether or not they think what his long-term plans are um, as which, with the heavy use of Devontae Graham. And then you still talk about Jackson Hayes, who by everyone, there, there's no one at this point, whether you are a Jackson Hayes fan or not, that can say that he's not disappointed you this year. You know, so him being a restricted free agent, him not giving you what you need and, and having to rely on Larry Nance to play heavy minutes at the four and five, and we're seeing the physical toll it's taking on him. Do the Pelicans have no choice but to try to augment this roster before February 9th? And if so, is do you see a big deal or a deal um, that is more about team, you know, filling those holes rather than trying to knock something out the park? I think with the start that they had, 23 and 12, I believe, tied for first with Denver, the game before they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies, right? Where that start, I think there's, there's you know, losing ways. Because of that start, you gave yourself a chance, right, to win and win a lot in the playoffs, I feel like, right? Go on a deep run, maybe even be a championship-caliber team. Because when you look at this West, things still really haven't separated. I know Denver and Memphis have pulled away, but come playoff time, how proven are they, right? I mean, they haven't legitimately gone in the Western Conference Finals, those rosters, multiple times. So it's wide open. And like I said, because you saw what the Pelicans did early when they were largely healthy – when guys weren't slumping, that gives you, I think, now more of an puts more of an onus on management to honestly augment this this roster. Because at first, I was fine with whatever happened this season. You go through it, see what you have, let the young guys grow, develop. Now, I think that plan has to have changed a little bit. So, I think they will and probably should make a move. Now, the question is, as you just asked me, big or small, right? And and I'm leaning towards doing something smaller. I don't believe in breaking up this core. And my core is pretty big. I mean, besides the obvious guys, it includes all the starters, including Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Jose, Larry, and Dyson. That's nine guys. I don't want to see anybody traded because we haven't really seen what those guys can do. And we've got a lot of hope for a lot of guys that either they're underperforming or, you know, they still need more development time. So I'm not pushing the button on any of those, say, and packaging up one or two of those 
with draft picks to bring in somebody else, especially if it's like a role player. That's why I'm kind of sour on an OG and Noby, right? If you were to add him today to this Pelicans roster, how much better would they be? How many of these games that they've recently lost would they have won? To me, I say maybe one because he's not going to be filling in your holes, playmaking, creating, you know, all these voids they have. They've got a ton of them. So that's why I lean more towards a smaller deal. Like, you know, Bogdanovich, that's my number one. I want to see the Pelicans add another versatile score. And he's more than a three-point shooter. If you watch him just in that game against the Pistons, right, he can get a shot from anywhere, and he knows how to get to those spots with or without the ball. He can play the three and a four. I don't care that he doesn't play um, even maybe an average defense. This roster can cover up for him. He's got the effort. He's got the savvy, kind of like, you know, remember how um, J.J. Redick was in his prime with the Clippers? He wasn't necessarily a deficiency because he played well within the systems, and I feel like that's what Bogey would do. But if not him, you've got to find another shooter. I, I think that's the bigger key because we've seen what, what's happened. The defense has faltered, David. We've talked about this. But it's the offense that concerns me more. And it's been in the fourth quarters. Guys suddenly aren't making shots. And you could have won a few of these games. Look at what Kyle Lowry did. He's been a shell of himself all season. But he made four buckets down the row. You know, and, and he basically won the game for the Heat against the Pels. And, and we've seen it again by other guys, too. So, I'm pushing for a smaller deal. You know, I don't care if a first round pick goes out, but don't break up that core of nine. I think that would be a mistake. Man, I'm a firm believer that the Pelicans have a chance. You know, we talked about this after the the first 20 games or so that you could look at the West and you could say with the right addition, this team could make a reasonable run to the Western Conference Finals. And and if you get the right matchup, you could luck your way into the NBA Finals. It, it, It certainly could happen this year. Um, but that's the, obviously the biggest component of that is the health of Zion Williamson, um, more so even than Brandon Aaron, because Brandon's missed so many games at this stage. But if you have Zion Williamson, you figure, you know, in the NBA, like you said, stars, this is a star-driven league. And in the playoffs, the best player on the floor generally wins the series. You have a chance to have the best player on the floor if Zion Williamson is in the series. You don't have a chance without that. There's not another Pelican on that roster right now because we don't know what B.I. looks like. But even the B.I. that we saw earlier well, in the year was David, good. Just mention, David, we should mention this, right? B.I. looked like the best player in the floor in that Phoenix series. In the Phoenix series. A lot but that's last year. That's last year. I know, but I don't, so, don't want to discredit B.I. Right? I don't discredit his performance. I don't take away anything yeah. from him that way. I'm just saying we haven't mm-hmm. seen enough of B.I., the sample size this year, and him coming back from the toe. I have no idea who he is today. If Zion is any facsimile, I would give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt just because he looked good out of the starting gates, right? Um, He looked okay. He was averaging 19. He wasn't the, it was, they hadn't figured out, I mean, he hadn't played enough games. It was, he missed four, then he came back. It's, to me, it's just hard. I couldn't judge that because it was so early. It's not, you know, the expectations didn't drop for me for BI. My position on BI was that, I thought he was more likely coming into the season to be an all-NBA player than Zion was. Mm-hmm. So Thank I'm not down on yeah. I'm just saying we really hadn't gotten a look this year because he never got a chance to get a rhythm of any kind. He yeah. wasn't part of any extended winning streak. He wasn't part of any big, you know, major moments other than opening night, which is a game now in retrospect means nothing considering where the Nets are and where the Pelicans are today. Yeah, the you reason I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt is because he looked like that guy to me. His playmaking was that toe. 
His shooting like, now so is there. Serious. I know, but he's getting to the free throw line. Defensively, we saw more out of him. So I think we I saw enough with the eye test to where I can confidently say that if he's 100% healthy, he can be that guy. But I can't count that. I can't even count that. Well, I'll tell you what, he's, ta- he's missed 30 games of this toe. I bet you he's going to come back 100% real soon. He better. Like, I mean, I mean, and that, let's just be honest. He better because I will ask, I'll ask you how this. The comments that he made today when they asked, are you playing in this homestead? Three games. Yeah, I asked That's that. the plan. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see how it feels. I don't like that. Again, it's not questioning B.I. It's questioning the Pelicans do such a poor job of framing their answers. That ain't the, that ain't the way to say it. If I can go, I'm going to go full stop. If I can go, I'm going to go. Now that's the plan because now the plan puts it on somebody else. Whose plan? Because that's the least fans to say, is it Griffin's plan? Is it Willie's plan? Is it B.I.'s plan? Whose plan? If I can go... I'll be there. And that, that's, that's how B.I.'s done it, though. Zion has told us when he's playing, right? Remember? He said it a couple times this year. Right, I, so don't say I'm nothing playing like in that, that game. But B.I.'s not that go, guy. You're not going to get that answer from B.I. But don't tell me it's the, it's the plan. I, I think it just it, – that was bothersome to me. That was bothersome because it's just – it's – it's, he's he, – B.I.'s not stupid. He's heard everything that's been said. He's read Christian Clark's article. He's heard – if he hadn't read it, somebody's told him about it. So all these things, when you are finally get that opportunity, after all this time, we haven't heard from it. Let me talk to B.I. All this time, you've had to prepare somebody. This is where the organization gets in. Bruh, the light is on about you being in street clothes all the time. You have to keep it simple. And I think that answer alone, a one-sentence answer, if I can go, I will be there. I think that keep it that simple, Chris. Uh, you know, and, and look, man, think about how how frustrating um, that has to be to a few guys in that in that locker room that have. I mean, we talked about it a few times over the podcast, but you look at CJ at some point, CJ like I didn't. This ain't why I came here. Like I came here to be to be a third option. I came here to um, to be a part of something, not, ha- you know, maybe for you know, a week or something, you know, COVID COVID happens or you know, guys are arrested. Yeah, I'm capable of. But I'm not I wasn't supposed to be here to have to lead the team for a month or for, you know, for consistent uh, long absences of such. Right. You know, you look at Jonas, who, you know, they've tried to, to, to ask him to rest for a game or two. The Dallas game comes up, like, for example, he didn't want to. You have to he, – he, he's not why – and he should have because you remember the night before he hurt himself in that Brooklyn game. He had no business playing the next night against Dallas. Most guys take that night off. Jonas is like, no, I'm playing. So when you look at the guys who are leading this, leading this team right now, you look at what Larry's been laboring through. Jose Alvarado is another guy probably had no business playing when he first when he first hurt his ribs that particular time, you know, but he's straight like, okay – Chris Paul's playing. I'm sitting out this night, which they probably have to make me sit out for. I'm playing Saturday or Sunday, whenever, whatever, whenever that game was. Um, the list goes on and on. This is supposed to be uh, a tough team. This is supposed to be a team. This is a team when healthy. A lot of guys, like people, are giving the players that are there. They are extending themselves to their highest capability right now. You, you know, you look at Najee. Um, you look at. 
I mean, back to CJ. CJ's playing the best defense he's played in his career right now. Now, that was a huge question him coming in. He's played good defense, like on a, on a large scale, analytics, so on and so forth. I mean, brother's 30 years old. So if you're in that locker room, you don't, you want to hear like, yo, we need you now. We have done all we can do without one A and one B. We need you here. It just, you know, it's that simple. Either you can go or you can't. It can't be, no, that's the plan because it was the plan a few weeks ago when he was supposed to return in, I think it was early January against the Rockets. A setback happened. No, we're not looking to trick you and, you know, into, of course, no one wants you to get hurt, but it's as simple. At this point, it's clear. The team needs you. We're tired. I don't think that they wanted to hear that. No one really did. But hopefully he's back soon. Hopefully. Because, I you know, this was I predicted. I think you know we said this. This is the eight weeks. The long term for that injury was eight weeks. This is the eighth week. So you were we're all hoping that that Bi is back this week. The other part of this is Zion gets reevaluated this week, which clearly means he's not playing this week or next week. Like that's not going to happen. But reasonably, that that, that puts his timetable right at the All Star. I mean, right at the uh, the trade deadline of return, like essentially right around that time. You'd expect him to be back on the court. That, that's what? Yes, 17 days from today. That should be a, within that time frame. you would expect, right? If things go well, design's there in 17 days. So that puts the Pelicans roughly, you know, with about 25 games left in the season. You know, 25, but 30 games left in the season at that point. At that, if that's the stretch, they want to be playing their best ball the last 20 games. Can this team refine the identity with all of those things swirling at the exact same time? Zion getting himself back into a groove, B.I. figuring out himself, C.J. getting back into that third role, all those things. Herb, Najee reasserting himself now as the sixth. What do you, you know, Najee and Trey, the sixth, seventh man. How does that work as the scoring off the bench? Jose's out. All those things have to be reestablished on the fly over the final 25 games of the season, essentially. I still think this team can finish top four in the West. Um, I believe that. Uh, they still have a good, you know, as long as they keep the home record intact, they've got to keep winning home games. That's going to be the biggest thing for them down the stretch. But ultimately, do you feel like those adjustments are enough to get them the momentum that they're going to need to make a play postseason run? Ali, I'll let you go first. Absolutely, I do. And it all has to do with just get these guys back healthy. I'm really hoping that B.I. is taking this extra time because he wants to make sure, because he knows his body, that maybe when I'm not at 100%, I tend to break down again. You know, he told us how he has played through pain, and we knew this from last playoffs, right? He played through a pinky injury. But today he told us that he played through a serious Achilles uh, tendonitis. He said hey, he was in pain, but he was playing through it. So I didn't really – I remember him having it. and I remember That was last year? It. Yeah, I think so. And he was playing through it, but we didn't really have an inkling on how tough it was. He, he told us today it was, it was tough on him. So I get what I think his, is his standpoint, right? I want to come back 100% because I'm going to play my, – my thought process, I'm going to play every single game here on out. And that's what the Pelicans really need, right? We all know that because to develop – they haven't developed enough on the court chemistry, right? Ten games starting lineup. The numbers have been good, but that doesn't matter. Come playoff time, every possession matters. You need to get those easy buckets. You need to know where your teammates are going to be on both ends of the floor, right? We know that. Everybody that follows the game knows this stuff. And they got to just simply be out there. But I'll tell you what, I got faith that B.I. will be back. 
at 100%. It's Zion that I'm worried about, right? This imaging this week, that that's everything, right? If it shows, you know, he still has a tear that hasn't completely healed, well, that's going to push back his time frame. And then you start wondering, well, conditioning is going to become a bigger and bigger problem, right? And it's therefore, then you're, thinking, right, then you're thinking, okay, well, then the hope is get him back after the All-Star break. But then there's only, what, 20, 25 games. And again, you're going to be working in such a big piece. And we're not even sure if he'll be 100% then. So for me, that's the biggest question mark. But like I said, I've got faith that these aren't any of these are long-term injuries, especially at the standpoint of where they are in the process now in their recoveries. But it's avoiding the next big one, right? Can they go the rest of the season without having CJ or somebody else, right? That's key. Go down with multiple weeks. But then the last guy we need to focus on is, is Willie Green and what he has to do over the, the, the remaining stretch of the season. Chris, what's the biggest challenge for Willie and what do you see as um, his biggest opportunity as the head coach to, to really, you know, help this team uh, get its rhythm back? Um, I think when walking into a situation where hopefully you're getting back to a point to where you're, you're um, plugging back two important, maybe three important pieces into your rotation, um, what did you learn about those individuals um, dating, you know, the data that you had when they were available to what you've seen in their absence, who stepped up, who's really taking advantage of their playing time and what, what were you able to learn about um, like, for example, Najee Marshall, um, he really got going in a lot of ways after uh, Brandon was out, you know, we saw stretches where, you know, earlier in the season, like, you know, the first, the first Dallas game, you know, he was huge, but there was some uh, to start the year, you know, I think the first six games, he was shooting the ball well, he was playing well. And then he hit a, he hit a rough patch. And right around the time Brandon goes out, he steps up and is the best version of Najee we've seen. We're back to uh, summer league champ. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is the best Najee that we've seen in the NBA. So what did you learn through that, through that period of time? Um, and how do you apply that going forward? Um, I, you know, also, can you take advantage of the of the ability to maybe give some of these guys rest, whether they want it or not, as guys are back into the you know, back into the lineup? So, you know, you're not, you know, look, man, when Zion when Zion got hurt, he was, you know, he was running hard, man. We you know we, we're talking about topping career highs and minutes, uh, multiple games in a stretch. You know, that's what he was doing, playing 38, 39, 40, 40 minutes. He, he was running ragged. And that style of play, that, phys- that physical style, it adds up. I don't care who you are. So when you're able to get these guys back, are you able to say, all right, well, it's, it's important to find a way to manage these, you know, these guys. Well, I have some fresh legs on the, on the bench. Can I throw in Billy Hernan Gomez even when I have a full deck? Can I, can I still use Dyson Daniels in a, you know, in a stretch? Or am I relying on the same – people that I relied on in the beginning of the year that maybe you don't need to anymore. That's what I'm interested in. When guys start to get back, how are you finding creative ways to make sure you're not, you can't, there's certain injuries you can't, um, you can't stop. Certain things are freak injuries, but I think being able to manage your veterans and, you know, uh, giving certain guys a night off, um, if you have that luxury, do it because it's not about right now. It's not about the all-star break. It's not about March. 
this team should be in the playoffs and they, sh- they shouldn't be in a play-in. And you want to be able to have the guys at, the, at their freshest without long extended periods. And if you can do your part and simply with how you manage minutes and use some of these talented players that are on your bench or any additions that come to the roster, do it and do it in a way that's not by force where your hand is being forced, not by being stubborn of sorts. Um, do it thinking long-term down the road. Ollie, like for me, I think it's three R's at this stage for Willie. It's, um, you know, reintegrating the stars as they return. It's um, refining the roles for role players who are going to have to start expecting fewer minutes as we get to the end of the season. You know, they should be playing. You know, this is where you start shortening your bench and getting guys to understand that in the playoffs, I'm not asking you to shoot seven times in a game. That ain't going to happen. I need you to be able, you know, just do this now. This is your role now. When B.I. was gone, when Zion was gone, we needed you to do these things. That refinement now and getting guys to understand exactly what their job will be, not just what they've had to do, what they will be, is going to be huge for him. And then the last thing I think is that recuperation of getting guys that rest, particularly Jonas, um, in that front court. They've got to find a way to not drive him into the ground because in the postseason he does get such limited minutes because of the matchups. You want those 25 to 28 minutes of Jonas to be him to be at his aggressive peak where he can go and be a weapon offensively because you know, he's going to give up something defensively. And that's what killed the Pelicans against the Suns was that Jonas, when he couldn't give you anything offensively, he was giving it up on the other end defensively. So I think to me, those are the big, biggest three things. What do you think are the, the biggest, biggest challenge and opportunities for the Pels? Oh, well, going from that standpoint, from Willie Green's eyes, for me, it's his stubbornness. I feel like he, he, he's a stubborn coach, right? He will stick to the same schemes for maybe three quarters, Right. And then all of a sudden he'll change it up like against Miami zone, for instance. I was shocked it took as long as it did maybe to start hitting some guy in the middle. Right. Whether it's Larry Nance or Dyson Dance, who once they started doing it, boy, they picked them apart and they started doing that, you know, in that last game a um, couple nights ago or last night. So it, it's those kind of examples. Same thing with kind of rotation changes. Right. There's, we've known Jackson hasn't deserved a spot over Willie for much of this year if he's going to play those minutes. Devontae Graham has struggled to make a shot since, what, the start of December. Kyra Lewis has looked good. I also think he presents an opportunity to give you something, not only experimental-wise, right? You, you've got the time. You you have a need. Team's not scoring. So, but he presents this dimension that you don't have. Ultra speed, right? Kyra is now stronger. He doesn't get bumped off his line. I, I, I think even though he hasn't converted all of his shots at the rim this season, he's made half of them, and his three-point shot looks good. I think suddenly – He's going to be kind of a threat from anywhere on the court. And defensively, I've seen him. That strength has helped him too. So, But it's been in limited minutes, right? But I think there's, like I said, it goes back to Willie being stubborn, maybe just the whole coaching staff, because they do. They, they, they come up usually with good game plans, and they really try and stick to them. Then we start seeing maybe some adjustments, not until halftime. But then it seems like maybe they'll go back to it. But then if it's not working, then they'll try something else. So for me, I mean, since you guys have hit on everything else, and I love all your points, because I agree with Chris. Why not take the Budenholzer approach on minutes, right, in a lot of these games? And I also agree with what you said, David. But the last thing I would say, yeah, Willie, don't be afraid to try new things. I think that's why Ty Lu has been always so successful out there in L.A. Because he's had to do with a bunch of makeshift, you know, rosters without his stars. And look how successful they usually are. I think Willie could extract more out of his team if he kind of took that approach. 
do you think that not having as many deep vets on his coaching staff, do you think that that has any impact? I'm just asking because it is a relatively young coaching staff. Yeah, I've heard this argument how maybe if they had a vet over there like a Mike Brown was for Steve Kerr or somebody else, how much you know beneficial that might be. I don't know. I honestly well, don't know. Simply a staff that he chose. Yeah, and and you have to give him the freedom to choose it, right? You know, I mean, a simply simply a staff that that Willie trusts of you know of individuals that um, you know he believes in that he feels can complement his strengths and his weaknesses. Before we wrap, the last question I'm going to give you guys is this is your level of concern. I don't think anybody, anybody's in panic. I'm, I'm, panic is not the word. But concern about seeding. Seeding is going to be the, is obviously the most important thing about the playoffs in the NBA. Where you sit, who you're going to play against. How concerned are you in the period that we, as we wait for Zion and B.I. to get back on the court? Pelicans are only two and a half games up on fourth place, uh, or fifth place now with, uh, I think, with, with uh, fourth place, Dallas. right? Dallas is right behind him, game and a half. With Dallas and Sacramento really coming and, and well, Sacramento's and ahead of them now. Yeah. That Sacramento's ahead, and they're only two two games up on Dallas, I think. Game and a half. Game and a half. Six, so, teams, six teams within, you know, three games. And the Clippers now getting healthy, you notice, with Kawhi Minnesota's now Minnesota's winning. Phoenix is winning again. The Lakers yeah, even starting to, 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 you know, steal some wins here and there. It's, you know, how concerned are you about the seeding? I think that they should remain in the top half as long as they take care of their home business. But are you concerned that they drop out of the top four? Uh, Ali, I'll let you go in and Chris, you finish. Yeah, on a scale one to ten, I would say it's between, like I say, a three and a four for me. Because suddenly you've lost that cushion you built up all in the span of what the last three weeks or so. The fact that B.I.'s taken 30 games, the fact that you didn't make a trade to possibly over, help overcome, right, the, his loss, which is they need that scoring ability. And, and there's other examples, too. So now you have to rely on this health and you're going to have to stay ahead of a throng of teams. At the start of the season, I wanted to see a top six finish, right? Avoid the playing tournament. Since we saw what they did, I think top four should be the goal. They can be that good. Question is, can they be on the court enough to achieve that? Because it's going to take that. We're seeing these games are getting tougher. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but as a general, for me, feeling these games in December, January have been a lot tougher than, say, in October and November, right? So there's a lot of teams peaking, and it's where the Pelicans kind of going the other way. So, yeah, my it's like between three and four because they've got to integrate new players or excuse me, players, key players back, find the role players back into their good rhythm that they were previously and, and just a slew of other things. So it's asking for a lot. Yeah, I, I'm, I'd be more concerned if they don't improve the roster, you know, in some, in some stretch. Cause then at that point you are, you are relying on something that you haven't seen a large sample size of, which is health, mainly out of your out of your top two guys. Um, but I mean, I will say the West has just been weird, man. I, I I mean, Portland Portland got off to a to an, an interesting start. They lose a few games and they get hot again. Now they're four games under five hundred. Uh, the Lakers are finding themselves back and they're getting Anthony Davis back. But another another injury, you know, let's say, you know, LeBron, those miles started, you know, add up and he misses 
a month, which he, I don't think he's played, I think he's played 60 games once since he's been a Laker. So that's definitely a possibility at that age. You know, you don't know. You never know when the Warriors are going to figure it out. They'll beat Cleveland one night and they'll, you know, without, without their stars and then, you know, lose the next. I mean, it's just, you know, lose to Brooklyn without Kevin Durant at home. I mean, it's, 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 it's all over the place. Um, Utah, you expect them to bottom out at some point, but should you? I, I don't know. The Timberwolves will get, yeah, if, if, if bare minimum, they're going to play tough, right? Um, Carl Anthony Towns should be back at any moment. And, and what, what will that do? Will that hurt the Timberwolves again? Or will that absence of certain other guys like McDaniels, for example, really taking advantage of the of of Carl's uh, you know absence, will that help them when Rudy Gobert comes back? The Suns were playing the worst basketball that you you could imagine. Now they've won three straight, like you said, Ali. Chris Paul's on his. I think he'll he'll be back. Well, oh no, he is back. DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker's right around the corner. The list goes on and on. You know what the Clippers are. The Mavericks probably should have bought them out. So you had an opportunity, but just like some of these other teams, you're also inching back to getting your individuals back. And at a lot of those teams that, that were mentioned, if you're healthy, your best should be better than what we've seen out of a lot of other teams that are below you again. I think you have enough talent. You have enough surrounding pieces, if right, to get back on another winning streak. We've seen a couple of them already. This week, it's a really tough a uh, homestand for the Pelicans this week. Three, um, you know, you get back-to-back games. Denver tomorrow, um, the best team in the NBA. Um, then back-to-back against the Timberwolves, a team that no matter what configuration the Timberwolves have been in, same with Orlando. That is prop. If the Pelicans are playing the Timberwolves, you guarantee the game's going to be close. That you know, this is going to go down the last few possessions. And then, of course, on the weekend, a Wizards team that traded Rui Hachimura but it's getting healthier as well. Still, I mean, a, a, a threat. You can't take them lightly. So you'd like to see the Pelicans at least go two and one this week at the very least. Hopefully the bigger thing to me though, is can they get Brandon Inger back? If Brandon Inger comes back, that's bigger than the three games themselves. If he's on the court and contributing. Yeah. I'm final words before we dip out. Yeah. Now I was just going to say seven of the next 10 are at home. If they get BI this week and they get good news on Zion's imaging, I think things are going to turn around. If not, you're going to definitely, like Chris said, you're going to need to do a trade to kind of keep this team above water until they are whole again. Final words, Chris? Yeah, the expectations have changed. Certain certain individuals have made have made improvements, and the West is a, is a mess. You may have an opportunity to go further than maybe some of that building even um, imagined. Maybe top six you know, uh, is now top four. Maybe when healthy top four is an opportunity to be in the conference finals and beyond. That's the case, and it looks like it is. Get healthy, act on it, and see how far you can take this thing. I mean, honestly, I think there are only three teams in the West that I've seen fully healthy that, you know, give you pause with the New Orleans Pelicans. And those three teams are the Denver Nuggets, the, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Golden State Warriors. Because the Warriors healthy, give the Pelicans. They, they, I mean, they're, they're a problem for everybody. So you know they're defending champs for a reason. But those three teams in the outside of them in the West, if the Pelicans are healthy, I give them more than a puncher's chance. Because Zion Williamson against Luka Doncic, that's to me that's a what and what. Both of those guys are amongst the, the best individual talents, and I would say Zion has a better supporting cast 
in that if you call if we're calling that if we're talking about the, the rest of those teams up and down that roster utah minnesota everybody else in a, in a series if zion williams is on the court he's the best player in that series brandon inger if he's not number two he's number three so i give the pelicans you know outside of those first four that's why seeding is so key and they've got to take care of business at home and they've got a lot of home games down the stretch so I'm still positive about this team, but I think people also have to be realistic. It's not, it's not all sunshine and rainbows with the Pelicans, but it's not hellfire and damnation either. It's a tough time of year, but and there are some holes on this team, but there are holes on every team in this league has a has a fatal flaw. Every team in this league has an Achilles heel. And the Pelicans right now, it's like you said, Ali, it's it's this. This execution on either end, this this muddling in their brains right now of just their inability to execute, and that a large part of that hinges on not having two stars. It's a star driven league, so we'll see how that goes. But guys, I appreciate the conversation as always. I uh, appreciate the insight, and um, I'm gonna be at the arena for sure on Wednesday and Saturday. I will be at the arena uh, checking those out. Then um, Ali, I'll see you there, of course. Chris, you gonna be in town anytime soon? Uh, not this upcoming week. The first weekend of February, yeah, I'll be there. See you then. It's gonna be almost Mardi Gras time. We'll see you <laughs> then, my brother. Guys, I appreciate it again. Y'all know how to follow them. Impatient Bull and Ali Cosell on Twitter, wherever you. Uh, and you know their podcast. I bird calls with Ali all the time, and Chris with In Spaces, um, In Space, excuse me, on Boot Crew Media. So until the next time, I'm David Grubb, and this has been Hard to Pay. 